Listen to God's word. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we're going to talk about prayer and peace. Prayer and peace. And we're in a world that especially needs peace. We need not just, we can think of peace as an inner thing, and there's in, inward qualities, dimensions to peace, but it's also interpersonal, right? It's getting along. And I'm going to give you some background so you understand these verses. Why is why are these people being addressed this way? This was written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he loves. It was the church in Philippi, so it's known as the book of the Philippians. And he's writing to this church he loves. He was there when they were planted, and he misses them. He loves them. He says it right in the beginning, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Every time I remember you, you know, he gives thanks to God, and he does so with joy in every prayer for them. He thanks them for their partnership with him. He misses them. He's going to send a young leader named Timothy, quote, so that I might be cheered by news of you. And you would make my day. I would love to hear how you're doing. Could I be cheered by finding out how you're doing? He's thankful for them. He misses them. He loves them. He could say with a straight face, I yearn for you with the affection of Jesus. Deeply affectionate words, right? I, I mean, it's not how we talk normally. I just have deep longing and affection for you, the affection of Christ flowing through me for you. That's how he talks. He loves them. He misses them. He's so thankful for them. And he's also a little bit freaked out. And he's freaked out because there's some things that they're disagreeing about. And he wants to call them to get along. How does this come out? Well, okay, listening to the New Testament, it's kind of like listening to one half of a phone conversation, and you can tell what some of the problems are in the other end by what he says. He says right in the opening chapter, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Be firm in one spirit, with one mindset, together for the gospel. He says later, hey, if you've gotten anything from Jesus, you know it would be great. Make my joy complete by doing this, by being of the same mind, 
having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Hey, please, don't be conceited. Don't be like crazy ambitious. Be humble. Don't just think, hey, what I want, what I need, what would help me, what would help you. It's very practical. He wants them to be at peace, to know the peace of God and the God of peace. He addresses attitudes. Also, this is very practical. He's like, he's going to speak about attitudes and heart condition and kind of like how we look at life. But he also gives them really practical instruction and says, imitate this. Okay, please do this. So let's go through this verse by verse and let's learn about God's invitation and call to us to be at peace with God and peace with each other. Let's go through it verse by verse. Okay, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Um, I did learn a little New Testament Greek. This ancient book was written in Greek, and this is where, if you know a little bit about Greek and you study it, you wish that they translated it a little bit different. He's not just talking to the men. The very next verse, he's going to honor these two women who've served in the gospel, uh, Eodia and Syntyche, and in uh, Adelphoi is the Greek word. It's part of our city's name, Philadelphia, um, city of brotherly love. It's used in context with men and women uh, and could be translated siblings, siblings, or brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. I'm, you're my joy. I love you so much, I have joy in you. Stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. We don't say my beloved anymore. It's kind of a shame. That's, that's like out of fashion. But it's saying, one that I love. You're my beloved. I love you. I long for you. And because of that, it flows right into the next verse. I entreat Eodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And I gave you all the background about how he says about humility and don't have ambition and please have one mind, one love, uh, one faith together, be side by side, be unified, or this appears like it's out of nowhere. He's wrapping up the letter and he says, he identifies these two women leaders. I entreat you, Eodia, and I entreat Syntyche. And entreat means to ask earnestly. I plead with you, and I plead with you, agree in the Lord. We don't know what it was they were disagreeing about. They obviously had something that they weren't getting along about, and he just says, hug it out, whatever it is. We don't even know what it is. We can kind of guess, but it's not helpful. Whatever it is, in the Lord, would you agree? Um, Sinclair Ferguson He's from the UK. He taught at a seminary near here. And here's what he said about this, this passage, this particular part. Have you ever had two people whom you really love who can't get along? And you're like, man, I love you. I love you. It pains me to see you not get along. Parents know what this is like. You might know this like if you have two good friends and you're like, I love you and I love you. Why do you guys want to kickbox? What is up? 
these folks mean the world to Paul. And this is what Sinclair Ferguson says. And he pleads, he longs for them to mean the world to each other. It's like, I love you. I ask you, would you agree in the Lord? And, and here it is. Look, we think of peace primarily as an inner reality and that that dimension of prayer is in this passage. But also, right in the beginning, is the interpersonal reality. Peace is getting along. Being at peace with others is a priority of Jesus. Uh, this guy, John Stott, he, he was like, he was legendary and so helpful to the church in the world. And his writings are super helpful. Uh, single man his whole life, served the church like crazy, died not that long ago. He said this really simply, John Stott, God is a peacemaker. Jesus Christ is a peacemaker. So if we want to be God's children and Jesus' disciples, we must be peacemakers too. Jesus is the one who said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And, and here's the gospel, okay, when he says, in the Lord, here's what this means. Jesus made peace with God for us. Our default setting is not being at peace with God. The default setting of broken, sinful humanity is we live for ourselves, not God. Although we are created by God and we're in his house, we're in his world, we touch his stuff, we interact all the time with other human beings made in God's image, everything is from God, everything has God's fingerprints all over it. We don't tend to acknowledge, thank God, seek God, treasure God, Acknowledge him. Give him glory. We'd rather give glory to ourselves and live for ourselves. And we don't treat other people the way we would want to be treated. And so we're not at peace with God. And, and Jesus died and rose again to change our state from being not at peace with God to being at peace with God. And if you haven't received that, if you haven't done business with God and received him and said, I need Jesus as my savior, you are not at peace with God. Like the default, have you, have you ever uh, gotten a package in the mail and it just came broken? You're like, that's sad, it comes broken. Look around the world we're in. One way human beings are awesome, look at all that we can do. Also fundamentally broken. And our default setting is not at peace with God. We need Jesus to be at peace with God. And so when he says, in the Lord, acknowledging the Lord, agree. He's acknowledging, okay, let's, let's just think about what would be weird. Uh, we have a Lord who didn't serve his own interests. He said, uh, hey, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. It's very practical. You know how you can tell how you're doing with that? How you drive. Are you gonna let that person in? They have somewhere to go to. Or not, you know? You're, you're gonna be just like, eyes ahead, I don't see you. You're invisible to me. Driving in the Philadelphia area is uh, almost a minute by minute exercise. Will I look just to myself or also think about others? And Jesus is the one who didn't just look to his own interests, but thought of our interests and did something 
to bring us peace with God. So how weird would it be receiving that for us just to insist on what's good for us? We have a humble Savior. We have one who humbled himself. Like to the bottom, to like the most extreme degree, how weird would it be for us to not humble ourselves? We have a Savior who brought us peace. How weird would it be for us to be in conflict? You know? Um, you notice he doesn't referee it. And there's a lot of, uh, the, the front page of the Philly Inquirer today, uh, as we think about 9-11, acknowledges two things. Hey, we're going to remember 9-11 and uh, mourn with those who mourn. And also, there's some nostalgic looking back about how united the country was after 9-11. Like we're divided People bought American flags and we're like, you know what? Our country's got some problems, but there's some things to be grateful for. And on the front page of our paper is an acknowledgement that, hey, there's some ways that our divisions are deeper and weirder now. Do we not need to, in the church of Jesus, practice the things that promote peace? Do we not need in the church of Jesus promote the things that go for peace? And so as a, as a guy who, so I pastor pastors and leaders around the network and uh, I'm in a different church every weekend. It's kind of like being in the band Fish, except I'm preaching, just preach a different place, different city every weekend. Um, and it's been interesting the past couple years, it gives you a different perspective about what the church at large is experiencing and wrestling with. And so I'm saying this kind of blind, I don't even, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of what's going on. I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular, I don't even know, but guys, we need to seek the grace of God to get along. There's like divisions over masks or no masks or over different issues that it seems like we could hug out in the gospel and should hug out in the gospel even if we don't get our way. And usually we just want our way. Uh, this was displayed years ago uh, after Jerry Seinfeld you know, retired the Seinfeld comedy, took a break for a couple years, and then he had the show The Marriage Ref, got canceled after a little bit. I thought it was hilarious because what, what it was, it was a reality show. It's a real couple with a real disagreement. And you know what they did? They got a celebrity uh, to decide who was right. Because celebrities have a pattern of healthy, godly relationships. And if there's any group in the world we can turn to for solid advice, it's celebrities. So that was funny, an acknowledgement like, you know, these celebrities, they're like, we don't know what we're doing, but they'd go in and decide who was right. And the winner of the conflict got their name on a billboard. So it'd be like, you know, here's the spouse, I was right, I win. And what Jerry Seinfeld was doing brilliantly is like obviously in marriage, that is not the point to be right. You can like win that and not be closer to your spouse. It's a huge fail. But in our weakness and brokenness, often we want to be right, 
rather than love. Often we want to be right rather than be one. Often we'd rather be right than bend and be at peace. The Apostle Paul here doesn't send a ref. He just says, I plead with you and I plead with you to agree in the Lord. And he honors them. Um, the guy who's going to carry the letter, probably Epaphroditus, mentioned earlier in the letter. He's like, my true companion, my true brother. Would you help these women who've helped me and labored in the gospel? Would you help them? He honors them and helps them. They're recognized leaders and says, would you please get along? Do all things possible to be at peace with each other. What's that going to look like? Forgive each other. Bear with each other. And then look, right next, he starts talking about attitudes. What are things that we can practice that will make us not just experience more peace inwardly, but be, tend to be at peace more with each other? Look at what he says. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is like practice thanksgiving. You know what will help your anxiety? Uh, practice thanksgiving. I, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, well, it was so stressful, right? So this started then, and I've been able to carry this as a practice since then. But I try, first thing when I wake up, think of things to be thankful for. And actually acknowledge those and be in God's presence. I'm going to thank you for these things. First thing, last thing before I go to sleep at different times in the day, practice Thanksgiving. Practice Thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't just think about how your day is going and have that be the only dial on the dashboard. Think about who God is. Not just how your day is, but who your Lord is. It's just an anchor, you know? It, you know how mountain climbers fall and then they have those ropes that keep them from plummeting all the way down? It's like, yeah, I can be bummed that I locked my keys in the car. I can be bummed that that didn't work out. But last time I checked, God is still God. It, it helps you not just be completely knocked off the mountain of stability. The Lord is at hand. What's that saying? Uh, it's just saying God's here. God's here. Um, for uh, part of the summer, I was meditating on the Psalm 73, where he's like, the psalmist is admitting, my perspective is off. Man, I want what rich people have, and they're mean rich people, and I'm really bent out of shape. God, you're unfair about the world. I'm thinking about the world the wrong way. I have a bad attitude, I have a bad attitude, I have a bad attitude. And then he acknowledges God's kindness. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. God, you're here. That's really comforting. God, you're here. Hey, reasonableness, that's like approachability, stability. Let that be known about you. Hey, you're someone that people can talk to about something that's hard. And you know what's going to guard your heart in that? You're someone 
that a difficult conversation can happen with. And that's gonna help you as a friend, uh, it's gonna help you in business, it's gonna help you in marriage, God gives you the gift of marriage, it's gonna help you in every way. You know what you need to know? You need to remember that God's there, God is good, and he's near, he's close. That's how we, uh, Michael, led us in that call to worship. The Lord has said, no, not never will I ever forsake you. I will not leave you. All these are balancing attitudes when you're upset. And then this command to pray, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, present your request to God with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything. Do you ever say this? Um, the world's so broken, we need somewhere to be like, look, and I'm worried about this, and this concern, and these concerns, and these, and I'm freaked out about this job, and I need this money. I actually do. And this was a setback, and I'm worried about so-and-so. And then you're like, hey, I've gone too far. Sorry to dump, dump on you. Guess what? We actually need to have soul friends. We can actually say how we are. And we need to actually pour all that out before the Lord. We need to actually, God invites us to have the relationship where we can, uh, in the words of one prayer in the Bible, we can pour out our hearts. Here's everything that's in there. In everything. This is what it means. In all circumstances, in every area, all kinds of situations. Bring it to God. Uh, this guy named Paul Miller wrote a book called A Praying Life, and it's actually become kind of famous, kind of used around the world. He's a Philadelphia guy, which is fun. Um, and um, he's helped different leaders actually in our network of churches. Um, he has this really practical advice when you're praying. Have you ever, anyone who's ever prayed has had this struggle. You're praying and then you think about what you need to get done that day. You're praying, and then all of a sudden you start thinking about something else that's a worry or a concern. Normally, a good thing to do is then to just pray about that thing. Hey, I'm praying, all of a sudden I think about this meeting. All right, man, I'm, or you're freaked out for your kid, or your friend, or your deadlines, or your classes, or some hurt or need. In everything, lift that up to the Lord. Change your prayer and then go back later and pray about what you were praying about before. Pray about everything. And look, there's a promise about peace. Now, he says, the peace of God is going to guard you. Look at what he says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And which surpasses understanding. It's one way to translate that is, which is above every mind. It's beyond the human capacity, human thinking. It's deeper, bigger. It's beyond our minds and deeper than our minds. It will guard you. And he says this to Christians who are in a city that was guarded by a garrison, by Roman soldiers. They were guarded, okay? In Philippians, a lot of them were Roman citizens and they were guarded. And he says to them, the peace of God will guard you. The peace of God 
will keep, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you'll never feel stress. You'll never have a broken heart. Uh, it doesn't mean you'll, you'll never cry. But that the peace of God will meet, will actually be with you in there and keep you in Christ. You know? Keep you in Christ. Keep you connected to Jesus. And that's going to be guarded. And that's really precious. There are, and there are other times when uh, people in history, and by God's grace, I've experienced this too. Um, I remember uh, before the first Liberty Church was planted, and there's just a snapshot. I was at a staff meeting at a church. They're like, you're going to have to raise like $150,000, sell your house, move, build a team. None of this exists yet. Just pointing through everything you're about to do is on one level crazy and nuts and huge. And you need like lists with hundreds of items on them. And then actually to start to do those things. And it's going to be kind of a miracle. And I just had a sense, uh, I was delivered in the moment. If God's in it and he calls us to it, he'll go with us and go with me and show up. And there was supernatural peace that was being tasted there. My mind was guarded from absolutely flipping out. The peace of God can guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. And so pray about everything and ask for God's peace. And what kind of things should we think about? Where should we direct our mind? Well, look at these next verses. Finally, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look at that. Man. Do these things. Think about these things. Uh, here's the thing. When in times of stress, we've been conditioned culturally to just distract ourselves. Hey, I've had a stressful day. I'm going to zone out and watch the Netflix shows. Uh, there can be a gift in that. And that, you know, that can be like the right thing to do. I'm going to take a break. Um, I would recommend praying briefly. And then do something else. Do something that's fun. But as a big picture strategy... We're not just called to empty our minds, but fill them. You want deeper relief from anxiety? Don't just think of nothing. Think of things that are awesome, and beautiful, and good, and true. Don't just take your mind off it. Fill your mind with things that are uh, people that are worth imitating, the goodness of God and Jesus, things that are right. This is the power of a story, right? Um, one of the things I've been thinking about recently, well, I, I love this picture uh, this past summer when we watched the Olympics. One of the fun things about watching the Olympics now, you can watch all the weird sports, like you can watch the ones that are never made on network TV before. If you want to spend 12 hours watching badminton, you can do that. Also, what's awesome is like, if here's the TV screen, 
a lot of times they'll have a little sub window with the athlete's hometown and like their mom and dad and Aunt Judy and neighbor Bob in the living room reading, rooting for them, right? So when this guy, Ryan Krauser, kept on breaking the shot put record, it was really moving watching the living room of his neighbors flipping out, <laughs> you know? And this old Aunt Judy standing up off the couch. And what was beautiful about it is we got to share the joy of people sharing joy. That's why it works. We got to share the joy of people sharing joy. That's actually supposed to be the church. We're supposed to actually share enough life. It's like when someone else gets an answer to prayer, it's a real win for us. And we rejoice, you know? We rejoice when you get that breakthrough. We rejoice that this person met Jesus. We rejoice that God's doing some good stuff in that marriage. And also, we cry with each other, too. That's a beautiful thing. Those are the kind of things we're called to think about. And um, I just want to name this. Look, social media is useful in many ways. Also, it's owned by private companies who have monetized your attention. Your attention means money, because the longer that any, that Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, uh, has your attention, the more money they make and they're thinking, what can we show you to get your attention? And that's all they're thinking about. Uh, Twitter had to wrestle a couple years ago and they realized that, okay, they invented the retweet feature. And you know what was mostly retweeted? The most popular retweets were rage tweets. I can't believe this. I'm so mad about this. So they made more money, but they're making everybody matter by giving into our dark impulse to be outrageous, out, you know, be filled with outrage. Here's what's not good for the human heart and for your day. Let's begin the day by reading the news and think about all the saddest, most horrible things going on in the world. We're just not built for that, man. We're not built for it. Uh, you can be plugged in, I'm plugged in what happens in the news, but I don't have to read it every day. What would it look like? Look, you wouldn't just say, you know what? You know what I spend my money on? Whatever people put in front of me. I just do that. Why would we do that with our attention? What if we uh, said, I am going to direct my attention and in a countercultural way, not give it to private companies who want to monetize my attention, no matter even if they're making the world an angrier place or a sadder place, I'm gonna think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is awesome, and warm your heart there. This is, this is why we need to be in scripture and actually practice this. This is a different lifestyle. This is written by a guy who prays a lot and is full of love for people. Paul's not lonely. He's like full of love for people. He loves people. And we're called to imitate this. So liberty, uh, whatever would threaten the peace of this community, hug it out in the Lord, bear with each other, rejoice in the Lord, pray about everything, and know that God promises that the peace will guard you.
think about good things. Think about things that are good and real and true and beautiful. Meditate on those things. Imitate those things. Watch the people who are further ahead. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. And the God of peace will be with you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Now Carol is going to come up and offer a reflection, and then we'll go to communion. Well, wasn't that wonderfully practical and helpful? I love you, Steve. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, I didn't know what he was going to share. I just had the text um, from him that he was going to be preaching on. So, hey, we get a chance to practice the very things that he was talking about. And that's what we're going to do in these next few minutes. Don't we all really long for this peace of Christ that passes all understanding? So wherever you are today... Maybe you have to ask Christ for the first time to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you have to ask Christ for the millionth time to forgive you for your sins. Maybe you have to ask him to give you grace to forgive somebody else. Maybe you have to go to somebody else and ask them to forgive you. Maybe you have to surrender your rights your right to be right to him now. Or maybe you just want to sink down in the peace and rest in that peace that you know is yours. I don't know what each one of your heart needs this morning, but I know that the Lord knows. And so we're just going to take a few minutes in the quiet right now to bring our hearts before the Lord with whatever that need is. And it might be something entirely different than what I shared. So let's go to him now in that quiet. And then I'll call us out of that quiet in a couple minutes. <laughs> 